and can be blocks to us living our Catholic faith, let alone flourishing in our faith as Christians. Jesus says in today's Gospel, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. How is that possible? And then I started thinking about how can that be said in another way? Because what is the thing that we think about most when we think about God? We think about His love. And His love is perfect. So maybe another way we could say this is love like God loves. And then I started thinking about, well, how does God love? God loves when you think about God's eternal love. So the Father loves the Son by just surrendering everything to Him, just emptying Himself into His Son. And the Son loves the Father in just the same way, by receiving that love, but then reciprocating that love and just surrendering His love, emptying His love into the Father. And this is this eternal love affair, which is the Holy Spirit, which each of you are going to be receiving in just a few moments. The gift of the love of the Father and the Son. And certainly we see this love of God on the cross, don't we? We see God giving us His all. Everything that He has. Now when I think about that, and Jesus saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, or love as God loves, then I think it's obtainable for each of us. Because I think we all can love like God loves. Meaning, we can all surrender, right? We can all empty ourselves out into another. And we can all then, being empty, be able to receive, have space to receive. So what the Father and the Son does, we can do. We can empty ourselves so that we can receive more and more of God's love. And then we can spend our lives pouring that love out, not just to God, but because of God and in God and through God, pour it out into everyone else. This made me started to think about one of the many aspects of the life of a priest. And all the people that we meet and are part of their lives. One part of my life is helping people with addictions. We, as priests, help people with addictions all of our priesthood. And one of the things, like a litmus test, I've noticed for people who are in recovery, to see whether or not they're going to make it beyond recovery, or they're going to not make it beyond recovery. They're going to fall back into the addiction. And it almost happens without fail. And it's this. When a person goes into like a recovery program, if, and I see this a lot, they just go through the program by going through the motions. They go through the program and they're compliant. So everything that 
the people who are overseeing them like their counselors are telling them to do, they do so that the judge can say to them, okay, listen, you successfully completed this addiction program. You are now graduated. You can leave this program. You have your freedom back. So if they just do it as a way to be compliant, in order to go through it and then get out of it, then the likelihood that they will fall back into the addiction is very high. And I've seen that over and over again, tragically. But I've also seen people who understood that compliance is not the way through addiction. No, the ones who I've seen who have been successful are the ones who surrender who surrender to their human condition, who surrender in honesty and in poverty and say, I need something more than myself. I can't do this on my own. And so in the rich tradition of like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, they surrender to a higher power. And then they are capable of going through all of those motions. And not just to go through them in order to get out of the program, but to go through them in order to become free. They surrender themselves. They empty themselves. And they have space then to be filled up. And then the recovery sticks and it stays, and they are free. I thought about this in regards to faith, and I think that faith is similar to this. And here's how, especially for you as our young people. So in many ways as we're growing up, we are compliant as young people. We do what is expected of us. And rightly so, because we're young, and we're learning, and we're growing, and we're experiencing. So much of what we have is given to us. So the house that we live in, we didn't buy it. The food that's on our table, we didn't go even grocery shopping for it, let alone have the money to purchase it. The Catholic education or the public school education, we didn't pay the tuition or the taxes for those schools to be open for us. Right? The sports teams that we play on, we didn't buy the equipment, and so on and so forth. The education that we receive is passed down to us by other people, taught to us. And so it is, too, with faith. Faith is given to us by parents and grandparents and sponsors and godmothers and godfathers, by catechists and by teachers, by priests and by youth ministers. It's handed on to us, and we receive it. But at some point, in order for that faith to stick and stay, 
We have to make it our own. At some point, faith is not about compliance. Getting through it and doing what's expected of us. Because at some point, other people are going to stop expecting it of us. Or we're going to grow up and know that we can do whatever it is that we want to do. It may happen for some of you in high school. It may happen for you certainly in college years and beyond. I no longer have to go to Mass. I no longer have to go to Catholic school and pray. I no longer have to go to religion classes in order to get my confirmation. But just like an addict, if those are the ways that we're doing faith, and if those are the ways that we continue to do faith, then how will faith ever stick and stay? Let me ask you this question. Who here during your high school career and during college and when you're adults and you're married and have children, who here want to have a deep, abiding, and fulfilling relationship with God? Show of hands. Parents? Show of hands? Yeah. Then, I think what faith has to become for us is more than compliance and more than what others expect of us and, and more than what we are taught is expected of us and more than what we expect of ourselves. I'll give you an example of this. Husbands and wives, people who have been married, right? Can you imagine going into a relationship with a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or somebody really significant in your life? And the way that you relate to that person is that you do only what is expected by you. Do only what is expected of you. Do only what is in the nature of being compliant to the institution of marriage. How happy do you think that you would be? How happy do you think you would make your spouse? How successful and how long do you think that that marriage would last? if the only thing that keeps you in the relationship is the stuff that is expected by you or of you by other people. Not very long. And here's the reason why. Going back to what Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love as your Father loves. Because if we are in relationship with one another in like the most significant relationships that we have as human beings, and that's the way we're in relationship with one another, where's the love? Where's the love? Because it's the love that helps the relationship stick and stay. 
And it's no different in faith. Because the base of what faith is, is love. God loving us and living, us living our lives in such a way where we're receiving that love. That we're putting ourselves in a situation of life where we're receiving, 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 receiving. But then like all love relationships, all love affairs, they're reciprocal. So we're also then putting ourselves in a state of life, a, a, a lifestyle, a way of living our lives in which we're giving, 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 giving of our lives. And that's then when faith can stick and stay. Here's something. Here's a thought, here's a suggestion, here's an invitation. To each one of you who just rose your, raised your hand and said that as you grow through life, you want a deep, abiding, and fulfilling love relationship with God. Do more with your faith after this day than what's expected of you. Than what's expected of you or not expected of you by your parents after this day. Than what's expected of you than from your catechist or your teachers or your principals. Than what's expected of you by other family members, grandmothers and grandparents. Do more than what's expected of you by people in your life who have spent their lives pouring faith into you. And here's one way to do that. After this day, Mr. Watson, our youth minister, and I, and this community, want to invite you to start regularly attending high school youth ministry. This spring, through this summer, into ninth grade, and through 12th grade and beyond. This is a way that you can do more. This is a way in which you can set yourself into a pattern of living, a lifestyle, where you choose it on your own. And then you benefit from choosing it on your own. And you do it not to be in compliance but you do it because you want to love God more and you want to receive more and more of love from God. And so you go after it. Like a man goes after a woman that he's in love with. Or a woman says yes to a man who's giving his all to her. This is the way of love. This is the way of faith. This is the way I think that Jesus is talking about that we need to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, meaning we need to love as He loves. And as He loves is that He surrenders everything for the sake of the other. Let me end with this story. So, Leonard Bernstein, he's this great composer. And he was once asked, what is the hardest instrument, in your opinion, to play in 
an orchestra. And immediately, and without hesitation, he says, second fiddle. And the guy says, the interviewer says, what, why second fiddle? He said, because there are plenty of people who want to play first violin, but not many people who want to play second fiddle, who want to be in the background. But without second fiddle, there is no harmony to the orchestra. You see, in today's world, our world is telling you, be first. Be number one. And they're setting up a whole way of living in which you choose to be number one. But what think, I think Jesus is teaching us both in today's gospel and also in the way that he lived his life and we take his name as Christian is that that's not the goal of life. It's to be number one. It's to go after things because I want them. Because it's all about me. His whole eternity has been about pouring himself into the other, the Father and the Son, the Son and the other, and then the two of them together, pouring themselves into creation and giving and giving and giving, and you and I are all sustained and alive in our existence because he continues to pour out himself to give us life. And here's the thing about that. Not just to give us life, but to give us love and to give us happiness and to give us fulfillment, to give us satisfaction because he's not number one. He considers the other number one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and together considers us number one. And so he pours himself into us. And it is the same way with us as Christians. We are not called, despite what the world teaches us, to be number one. We're called to be second fiddle. Second fiddle. Because it's in being second fiddle that there's harmony, right? It's allowing God to be the one, the first violinist, the one who leads us with his beauty, with his goodness, and with his music, with his love. And we follow behind him. And when we do this, when we live our lives this way, then not only will we pursue God as first before ourselves and all of our activities, but also then we learn to put other people first, like friends and boyfriends and girlfriends and their souls and their salvation and our spouses and our children. We become selfless mothers and fathers. And all because we learned from God and lived in God to be second fiddle rather than the first violinist. The addicts that enter into recovery programs with the mentality that I'm just going to be compliant, I'm just going to go through this program, are never successful. But the ones who say, I need something more than myself, I surrender to you, God. Fill me up. Are the ones who not only graduate from the program, they're the ones who live their life in freedom and hope. 
Which do you want to be after today? Do you want to graduate from confirmation because you've successfully completed what's been expected of you as a young Christian? Or based upon what you have learned and lived and received, now understand that the way is to surrender your life. And to say, I need a higher power. Not just a higher power. I need you, Jesus Christ. And I put you first. I surrender everything to you. And I'm going to live for more than what's expected of me by others or even by myself. And I'm going to give myself completely to you and make room for you to give yourself completely to me. Choose wisely.